Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. And those game days are coming soon. If you are listening to this, guess what? It's training camp week, the official start of football season. Welcome, everybody, to the 2023 year. Sal, we wait a long time for this one. It is good to be back. It's good to be packing the bags, getting ready to go back up to Fisher. This really starts kind of the chaos that is the next five, six, seven months. Yeah, it is uh, good to talk to you. Good to see you, Matt. You know, football has the longest offseason, the shortest season of the major sports, really. We're talking the four majors, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, baseball, you know, spring training, they start reporting in February. They start playing spring training games in March. So March really is when you start and then you play all the way through October. So November, December, January, February, it's really only three and a half months of the off season. The NHL starts in October. Once training camp, September really, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, yep. training camp, the games start in October and they go all the way through May now, which is incredible. You go into June actually. For the yeah. Cup, July, August, September. I mean, really only that's the shortest. You have two and a half months and basketball is about a month more than that because they, they start around the same, they start a month later, but end around the same time. Football's not like that. You know, football here, we are, we're done in February. You have all the rest of February. Then you have uh, March, April, May, June, July, five months. And then at the end of July, so really five to six months of an off season. And I would say that that's part of why we have such a thirst for it, such a quench for it, is because we're without it for quite a while and we miss it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I just actually was looking it up. I was trying to figure out when we're working until this year, and uh, February 11th is the date of the Super Bowl. So I think we'll be recording a podcast 11. on February 12th this year. That's kind of when we have to plan out things. So, no, I, I agree with you. The thirst is real. I think the that's NFL, only, by the way, if we don't get drunk from the champagne being sprayed. Yeah, in the exactly. I think the NFL is brilliant in the way that they have kind of formatted the offseason, too. Uh-huh. The season is the busiest but you can make the argument that there's more that actually happens in the offseason. There is still so much stuff to talk about because at the end of February is the combine. Then it's free agency. Then you usually have some trades. Then it's the draft. Then it's the schedule release. Then in June, kind of nothing happens. June is the one month where it's like, okay, everybody go on vacation. We'll see you at training camp. Now we have already seen some of the teams around the league start to report to training camp. The Bills will be following suit this week. Now, for everybody who's listening at home, the rookies, they have already kind of been there for a couple days, getting their feet wet. But the veterans, they report later this week. Our first day out there will be Wednesday morning. Have we heard? I'm assuming we get Brandon Bean. I'm assuming we get Sean McDermott before practice and then a couple players after, or do we know yet? Well, first of all, let me say, let's remember, OTAs and minicamp actually 
it is the middle of June when they're doing that, but I know what you mean. It's like the yeah. six weeks after that, you get really middle of June up until the end of July. It's five, six weeks. As far as them, you know what they say about assuming, I'm not really sure. I guess we should ever do that, but it has been tradition, right, Matt, that we get Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott on the first day. And then usually Josh Allen after practice, maybe on the second day, first day, second day. I'm still wondering when we hear from Stefan Diggs, that's a big one. Um, you know, is he going to be very early on first day, second day, but I would imagine we would hear from Brandon Bean and or Sean McDermott. McDermott usually talks anyway, every third day or so Ken Dorsey does every few days, once a week, I think it is. And then you get, um, you know, somebody from the defensive side, which will be a little bit different this year because there's no coordinator actually, because Leslie Frazier's not with the organization. So, um, yeah, I, I would assume that would happen. 9.45 is their scheduled practice start time. If you're going out to St. John Fisher, plan for a good two-hour, a little bit more of practice. They'll usually end probably about you know 2.15 in or something like that. So you're looking at probably around 12 noon. Yeah, that's kind of my expectation, too. Going back to the digs thing, we will answer some questions from listeners at the end of the podcast, but somebody actually did ask, do you think Stefan Diggs talks on the first day of training camp? I think he does. I think that they get it out of the way right away because there's so many other things happening that day that it's kind of a good way of almost burying it a little bit, depending on what he says. I will be surprised if he does not talk. I really do think we're going to finish practice. Josh will talk. Poyer will talk. And Diggs will talk. Or Josh will talk. And maybe even Vaughn will talk. Obviously, we don't think he's going to be practicing, but I won't be surprised if he's hanging around and stuff. And then dicks that is my guess that is my guess on how they would handle it because i think the more it's pushed off the more it kind of bubbles a little bit and people start to say why hasn't Diggs talked yet what's going on yeah that, it, all that is right i i would say first of all you're spot on about von miller like he just he likes to talk so we're gonna hear from von very sure certainly uh sometime pretty early on i would think that you know the organization may say we just don't want to make made available he's doing his workouts but you know von likes to talk and he likes to he's so energetic and positive that you know maybe that's good you know have him do that and good messaging from him you know even to his players and the rest of the organization as far as stefan uh first day i think you're probably right but i wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe day two Maybe, but it's going to be early. I agree with you. I think they'll get it out of the way early. I don't know if it's exactly on the first day, but I do think they get it out of the way early. And all those things you said are totally correct. And, you know, this year it's also interesting. Remember, we'd usually get, you know, Josh and Tremaine Edmonds for a couple of years. He's the middle of the defense, the middle linebacker. Well, who is that? We don't even know who that's going to be. We'll get here from all three of them. But, you know, Matt Milano's a man of very few words. So if you want to mm -hmm. throw us up Matt Milano, we're not going to get much out of him anyway. I do think the one thing that I like the most about training camp, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past. I love the access that you get because once the season starts, it, I guess I love the access you get compared to all of the other off season stuff during the season, the access, you know, you go into the locker room, you can chat with all these guys during the off season, during April and May and June, you don't really get that not to the level that you have during training camp. So this will be our first time face-to-face -face with a lot of the new players that they have signed. And I think that that stuff is valuable. I think people want to hear from the new guys, whether it's Leonard Floyd, Connor McGovern. Well, we did talk to him in person. Taylor Rapp, some of the other players who are making their Bills debuts. I like that. I also just like how it really starts to ramp up. The first few days are like the first couple of days of school. Remember the first couple of days of school? You filled out the index cards and you were doing like the two truths and a lie with your classmates and everything. Sorry, That's what, what it feels like. Two truths and a lie with your classmates? I never did that. You never did that? No. No, it's like an icebreaker? I might have did it with my friends like uh, around uh, with drinking in college. I don't think I did it in school my first couple of days. Yo, no, that was like a very common icebreaker, <laughs> I feel awesome. like, I when I was it. in yeah. school. Sure. Just, to tr just to try and, you know, get everybody to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. My I guess like is the pads go on. They practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, off day, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. My, guess, my guess the pads go on Sunday. I think I have to look in the CBA. I think it's a three-day acclimation period you have to have anyway. I okay. think it is. It might be five, actually. It might even be a five-day, but I think it's three. But I'll take a look. Uh, that may be correct. You're probably looking at, um, you know, Sunday. That'd be the first day, I think, legitimately, legitimately maybe they can. But even, you know, that they would want to do something like that. It's, a, it's what you just said about, you know, the new guys and hearing from them. It's a great segue to what we're going to talk about on this yeah. particular episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. People we, we're going to be watching at training camp. Mm -hmm. you know, three guys. Matt and I both picked. Three guys could be anybody from either side of the ball, special teams, whatever, that we're going to watch closely, a little bit more closely, and why at training camp. 
So we'll do all of that. Before I do, though, you texted me a question the other day. I don't think I ever got back to you. And I said, I'm going to talk about this in the podcast because we got to tell the story. And it's interesting that, you know, you have your beautiful daughter this year. And I know you probably aren't going to be spending as much time at training camp. But for many years, you're like me. And you, know, you go up there and you stay, stay in your dorm. And I know as yeah. I, 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 for a couple of times, couldn't stay as long because of, you know, max certain age and things going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what your plan is this year as far as how you're going to work that out. But I do know you're going to need some sheets for your bed. You never responded. Now that I'm realizing it, I messaged you and you never responded. That's because I wanted to save it for the show. You asked me what size bed we have in the room, our dorm rooms, because you need to buy some sheets or bring some sheets with you. Because last year, what happened, Matt? I went on a run with you and Matt Perino. Yes. We went to the local Walmart Mm -hmm. to buy sheets, at least for you, maybe even for Matt. It was both of us. I was just just along for the ride having fun. I'm like, you guys are like rookies here. What are you doing? Come on. Yeah. I knew to bring these sheets. My wife reminds me. My wife says, what do you need for dorm? She's such a veteran of Bill's training camp now for me going that she has like all the things that I need. Here's what you need. You got your mini fridge. You got your coffee maker. Hey, do you need what? How much underwear do you need to bring? How many days you staying out there? Like that's what she does. So to answer the question about the beds, it's kind of a trick question because it's like two smaller single beds, I guess you'd call them in each dorm room. So if that's how you want to sleep, that's fine. Uh, uh-uh, that's not what I do. I move them together. And yeah, I make one big bed, like one double bed, and that's how I sleep. Now there's a big crack in the middle. That that's okay. Bothers I just, me. Well, the crack I, bothers. Me. I need to sprawl, baby. I got to sprawl out. I will say though, I remember. You know, you ever have the dreams where it feels like you're falling and then you wake up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it feels like that almost all the time when you're in those beds because they are so tiny and, you know, I think they're single beds, but I felt like there was a weird specification to them that they weren't just like exactly single beds when we went last year. That's why I asked you, you also do the dorm a lot different than I do. You basically move in, you I know, do. you commute back and forth on the off days and stuff. I will spend probably half of the nights there and half of the other nights commuting back and forth. I will bring sheets, a blanket, two pillows, a cooler, and then I'll fill the cooler with like bottles of water and I'll just buy ice the day I get up there. Just so I I always like to have water around, especially I'm somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night and I just want water and I don't have a fridge that I can go to to just get Mm -hmm. water or a faucet. So I'll just grab a bottle of water out of the cooler that's pretty much it. And then enough clothes that I always have one extra day available if I need it in case I decide, oh, we're going golfing this day and I want to have a polo available or, oh, we're going to go out to a dinner and it's yeah. not a place where I can wear flip-flops and a t-shirt too. So that's basically all. There's not much packing that goes into me getting ready for the dorm. And I you've got the coffee, so I, I don't I, need to worry about that too. I bring a Keurig. You come on down to my room if you need some coffee in the morning. I got the coffee. I have to make sure that I have the coffee. And if I, if I if I run out, I just run right to the convenience store, right down the street. Just grab some more coffee, bring it back. This year, I don't know if I'll bring a mini fridge. I might just do the cooler thing. I have a big cooler. I might do that. But it could also be the mini fridge because I if I get some food, I put it in there too. And I store it in the fridge so I can have it the next day and it's ready to go. Um, I used to bring a TV. I don't anymore because everything's streamed now. So I just watch mm-hmm. TV on my computer basically. So it has changed over the years. But you're right. I basically move in to the cinder block dorms. And Hey, it's great. Just being able to kind of go up there, hang out, um, go out to dinner with people. Like you said, go back to your dorm a little bit late at night, wake up, you're right there football that day. And when we get to football, we will be watching several Buffalo bills players, obviously all of them, but some a little more, more closely than others. Let's get to that here. And it's always game day in Buffalo. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. 
That's helloalma.com slash therapy60. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove, Channel 7, WKBW. WTV sports director in Buffalo. All right, Matt. So, you know, we're going to be kind of trying to divide our time as much as we can. That's always a very tough job for me. Do I want to watch the offense today? Do I watch the defense today? If you try to watch everything, you see nothing, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. I've learned I have to kind of focus in. And you asked me, hey, who are some players that you're going to focus on a little bit more? Um, Let's let's talk about that in the pot. So I thought it was a great idea. So let's do that. I guess I'll let you start. Maybe then I'll go with a couple or something like that. But why don't you tell us somebody that you're going to be watching on? We'll take three each uh, uh, throughout training camp pretty closely. The first person that came to mind for me was actually not somebody who I think I would have immediately jumped to, but it also has stemmed from a conversation I had earlier in the day with a buddy of mine who I play fantasy football with. And he was asking me about James Cook and what I thought about James Cook and his involvement this year. But that's not the person I'm saying for the podcast. The person I'm saying is Damian Harris, because I don't think it's crazy that Damian Harris is the, quote, starting running back on this team this upcoming season. I like Damian Harris as a player. I think that he could kind of be a bell cow running back. Now, bell cow in terms of what the Bills are looking for in a running back, not somebody who's going to go get 20 carries a game. I almost feel like, maybe I'm wrong, Damian Harris replaces Devin Singletary's workload and James Cook workload stays similar to what it was last year, but with just a little bit more involvement in the passing game. I could be wrong. Damian Harris has also been a player who's got health concerns. He has not been healthy the last couple of years, and that's one of the reasons why it didn't ultimately pan out in New England. But if he is healthy, I see a world where Damian Harris could be getting 11, 12 carries a game and James Cook could be getting six or seven carries a game. Going back to the fantasy thing, I almost don't think I want to touch either of them because there's so much unknown there of who is going to be the starter, who isn't going to be the starter. Maybe if it's later in a draft, you take a flyer on somebody just because you like the value there. Running backs are also a tough position to gauge during training camp. Because the quarterback turns around, they hand to the running back, the running back hits the hole, they run for five or six yards, a couple guys wrap them up, and then they don't tackle them, and it looks like everybody is going to be Barry Sanders. So it's a little bit tough to gauge during specifically practice, but in the preseason, when you get those live reps, I think they're all going to be active in the preseason, and I think there's a world where Josh Allen could be turning around and handing to Damian Harris more than he does to James Cook. Yeah, um, I think you're kind of crazy about Damian Harris being the number one running back, but Maybe I am because you're not the first person I've heard say that. I've okay. heard other people in the media who believe that Damian Harris could wind up, you know, winning that number one job. I don't think so. I will say I'm not, I don't think he's, oh my God, there's this James Cook and then this huge gap. Mm-hmm. I think it, to me, it's kind of clear that James Cook is going to be the number one running back and that Damian Harris is going to be his backup and he's going to get some opportunity though to carry the ball. I see it basically like last year. I think like this year, James Cook and Damian Harris are what Devin and James Cook were last year, Devin Singletary. So, We'll see where it goes, though. I, I like that one because you're not the first person to say that, and I don't want to sound like I'm downing Damian Harris. To me, it's more about pumping up James Cook because I think that you know he has a really, really big role on this team this year. But I'm going to stay on the offensive side for my first guy. The guy that I'm interested in watching is also a newcomer. I'm really intrigued about Deontay Hardy and how they can use him in different mm-hmm. roles on the field. I'm also intrigued and I'm going to watch him because there's actually someone on the roster smaller than me. He's 5'6", 170, Matt. All right? This is a mm-hmm. small guy. With a lot of speed, he was hurt last year in New Orleans. He missed all but four games. But every time someone talks about Deontay Hardy 
and when he was on the field playing, they all say how efficient he was, how good he was, and what he can do to help an offense. And that's what the Bills need. They need efficiency. They need easy buttons. They got to get back a little bit to what they were a couple of years ago when they had Cole Beasley in the slot and controlling the middle of the field. I think Deontay Hardy screams he could very well be that slot receiver. We talked about that the last time on this uh, podcast. But I think Deontay Hardy is going to be a really interesting player because of the all the different ways they can use him. In fact, I would say they've been searching. Remember, Isaiah McKenzie was kind of the gadget guy. Naeem Hines comes in last year. People thought he'd be the gadget guy. Really kind of wasn't. He was the return man. Deontay Hardy can return um, punts and kicks. But I think now you have it all rolled into one. Now I think you have a guy that, hey, we can kind of do a little bit of all, everything with this guy. Line him up all different spots, even in the backfield if we want. We could do that. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to watch Deontay Hardy this year. Quick sidebar with Deontay Hardy. Who is the Bills' primary kick returner and punt returner this year? Naheem is it Hines. still Naheem Hines, not Deontay Hardy, even though he was a pro bowler like a couple of years ago as a returner? From the way I interpret things, it's going to be Naeem Hines. I think Deontay Hardy was signed to be a wide receiver, but with the ability to return punts and kicks if they need them. And the reason why they even tweaked Hines' contract to stay was because they want to make sure that they have a legitimate punt and kick returner so they don't have to have him worry about the other things and vice versa. Okay. I'm not arguing any of that. I just, yep. it's interesting that Deontay Hardy, you bring up his pro football reference page and you're looking at all of the stuff. And it's like, oh, in 2019, he was a pro bowler and it yep. was not for his, you know, ability as a wide receiver. It was for all of the return stuff. Okay. So we had two people on offense. Do you have another offense? Because my next two are defense. So if you Ooh. have another offense, then you can my go next. next to defense as well. So I do not have another offense guy. Okay. Well, look at us getting into the trenches, going to the defensive side of the ball. My second player, and I think this is a very, very important piece for the Bills moving forward, is Kyir Elam. Just yes. because Kyir Elam needs to win this job as cornerback, too. He was a first-round pick last year. I thought when he played last year, he did fine. I really did not see him lost. I did not see him struggle on the field. I thought he made a couple nice plays, but it never felt like he was able to completely take over the reins of that job. He was always in some sort of rotation when he was on the field. Now you have Tredavious White, who's healthy. He is going to be your cornerback one, but who's going to be cornerback two? And if it's not Kyir Elam for most of the snaps, I think that's a bit concerning, both for him as the player and for the Bills, because they just used a really big asset on drafting him. I think going into the season, it will be him. It'll be Kyir Elam and Tredavious White. But I know we've had the conversation yep. You're leaning towards Dane Jackson. This is not meant to be a knock on Dane Jackson. It will be a big disappointment for the Bills if it's yep. not Kyrie Elam. 100% agree. I want. I would like to see Kyrie Elam win it. And that's not because I don't like Dane Jackson. But when you do spend that asset, you want to see that come to fruition. And I'll leave room for sure for Elam to win it and even for Christian Benford to win it. I do think, going back to our previous conversation a few pods ago with Jenna Cottrell, when we had her on when we when she came on as well, we all had a different player. And I said, I think that this is basically like it's, Hey, you got to catch up to Dane Jackson. We'll see where that goes. I like your guy there a lot. Kyrie Lim. He's one to watch. All right. My next guy, a newcomer, a late newcomer, Leonard Floyd yeah. is on the Buffalo bills. Did we forget this? Because I want people to remember Leonard Floyd's on the Buffalo bills because you might've forgotten. They signed Leonard Floyd because it happened literally the day the bills or the morning of, I believe the bills opened the, put uh, shovels in the ground for the new stadium. I think that's when they did it that day. Yeah, they and, did. Yeah, that wasn't, a you know, it was the, the the news of the day was the stadium, but they also signed Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd has been very, very good in his NFL career the last few years. Now his career didn't start great. Um, he was kind of miscast in Chicago. They were playing him out of position, but that's not the case anymore. He goes to the Rams. All right, let me read you Leonard Floyd's statistics over the last three years. Um, he signed with the Rams and let me just pull up his page here. Signs with the Rams at 2020, last three years, 10 and a half, nine and a half, nine sacks. All right. Here's a guy that's had what, 28, 29 sacks, whatever, the last three seasons. I believe, Matt, that's like top five in the league over that time period. This is not just some short term rental, be ready insurance until Von Miller gets healthy. Sure, he'll be used like that and be counted on that way, I should say. This is a guy, I think, that's actually going to play the, you know, even when Von Miller comes back to form a really good duo on the outside. In the meantime, 
hey, until Vaughn's ready, you got a guy that's put up 28, 29 sacks over the last three years playing opposite Greg Russo. Yeah, I think that they have done a nice job addressing that position the last couple of years after a couple of years where the moves that they made really did not lead to on-field success. They spent a big-time asset on A.J. Epinesa, and I don't know if anybody would say, I think A.J. Epinesa is a nice player, but not has lived up to the second-round draft pick, the first pick in that draft, because that was the year they traded away their first-round pick for Stefan Diggs. The same thing can be said for Boogie Basham the next year. Those guys have just not carved out continuous starting roles on this team, and that's why I think both of those players are kind of guys to watch going into this season. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're on the 53-man roster. I think Epinesa has a better chance. I I will be surprised if AJ Epinesa does not make the 53-man roster. I don't think I can say the same about Boogie Basham, just with the other players that they have at that position. Wouldn't you also put them, if if you and I were to, maybe we could do this one time, but if we were to make a list of, I guess, trade bait, for lack of a better term, Guys that you wouldn't be surprised if the Bills said, hey, we just can't see him fitting here, but we'd like to, we can get an asset for him. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you put both those guys in that list? Yes, I would. And I think because they were both second round picks, I think it would probably be realistic to hope you could get back a fourth or a fifth. And you would probably take that, especially if there's not a track for them to ultimately make the team. You're going to take whatever you can at that point. But don't the Bills already have 10 picks or something? I'm not saying they wouldn't do that, but they already have 10 picks, right? They have nine, and they'll be expected to get a 10th with compensatory selections next year. That's correct. It's going to be a long couple of days in that media room, but whatever. That's beside the point. So, yeah. It's no Brandon do- Bean. He would, he would trade one for 2025, maybe. I mean, that's just what he yeah. how he operates to try and get an asset for something. I mean, the guy... Ch- Listen, for anybody out there listening, okay, that says, oh, come on, guys, they're not going to get anything for Boogie Basham. Brandon no, absolutely. Bean, absolutely not would. something for Russell Bodine. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, come on. What are we doing yeah. here? I mean, he's done it. The one time it, you know, excuse my Wyatt language, Teller. bit him in the ass was Wyatt yep. Teller. That was, sure. the one that, that was the one that did not work out. The ones that have... Cody Forge, you went and got a draft pick for Russell Bodine, like you said. Uh, Daryl Johnson, was that his name? Yeah, bam, yep. Okay. Is Daryl Johnson also the really good player from Lewport, Lewiston? Is that his name? No, Who's- that's Moose, who played, he's my age, dude, and older than me. What's his name? Okay. Daryl Johnston. Jer- Daryl Johnston with a T, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's, yes. But that, but yes, the guy you're thinking of. Right. He was Daryl Johnson from, yes, the edge rusher who was on the Bills a couple of years ago. Bam Johnson is yes. just, you know, let me make sure here that we're, we're doing it. But Bam Johnson, I don't think he had a T in his name. If I remember, by the way, we have the same birthday too. Uh, Bam Johnson is from, but it was to be in Johnson. Bam Johnston, I think they both have the, the T in their name, but I have to make sure now because now you're getting everybody. Well, now we're getting everybody confused and everything. Sorry, everybody. He went to a weird school, didn't he? Daryl Johnson, the guy he they traded. North UNC, Carolina, A&T, UNC, I believe. Yeah. Some, North, yeah. North Carolina A&T, I believe it was. I'm pretty sure. Sorry, um, we took you down a rabbit hole. Daryl Johnson. Yes, without a T. Okay. okay. Sorry, Darryl everybody. Johnson. Thank you That's for bearing with us. If you're yelling into your, you know, your whatever you're listening to right now, we apologize. And so then, and then wait there. And then Daryl Johnston with the T. Johnston high school. Yes. Okay. He's the one on Fox sports. Who's a commentator now who's yes. 57 years old. Okay. So the bills did not get an asset for him like three years ago. No, they did not get an asset for him a couple of years ago. I do agree with your point about Leonard Floyd. I think it's a really good addition for the bills. I think that now you have the versatility of having him Von Miller and Greg Rousseau. I don't want to write off anybody else there, but it makes all of those other guys a little less leaned upon. So if that's, Shaq Lawson, if that's AJ Epinesa or Boogie Basham. Am I forgetting any prominent edge rushers? Oh, uh, Kingsley Jonathan, because they liked him at the end of last year. There's a chance that he carves out a role on this team. So I like the Leonard Floyd move. I think he's going to play a big impact. My last. Yeah, I was was like, you want me to go with one and then you can go with your last one? We'll do that. You know, go ahead. uh, Because you've gone twice. So I felt bad that you had to go twice and, you know, spoil, spoil your surprise. All right. So. I mean, we're all going to be watching middle linebacker, right? Yes. Who's going to win the job? But there's one guy there I'm I'm more intrigued about, and that's Terrell Bernard because he's been here for a year. 
Mm-hmm. And he had a really good preseason last year. And I thought he was really going to fight a little bit to try and push for some, you know, not playing time, I guess, but just to kind of be like, okay, this guy's itching. And, you know, you'd feel better about like if Tremaine Edmonds left, which ultimately did happen. But now we're going, mm, I don't know if Terrell Bernard can do it. Um, he, he played one game. He started for Matt Milano, not Tremaine Edmonds. Didn't go so well, but he played Will, not Mike in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be watching Terrell Bernard. Now I'll be watching that spot, but he's the guy I'm kind of zeroing in on. I don't need to watch. Tyrell Dodson. I know what Tyrell Dodson brings. I've watched him a lot. He's played a lot. And honestly, Dorian Williams is a really intriguing guy. I just think he's a rookie. And I've just been the one to say, I think it's, it might be a little too much for him. So to me, Terrell Bernard, I think this is like a guy that has a really, really strong opportunity here. He's been in the system for a year. And I will tell you, even Tyrell Dodson, who competes with him, told me last year during training camp, how good Terrell Bernard is and how good he thinks he can be in the NFL. Right now, who would be the betting favorite? If you could bet on this, who would it be? Tyrell Dotson? Wow, it's a good question. I bet you Bernard would be the betting favorite. Wow. But it would be close. Dotson, maybe maybe Dotson would simply because he's now been around look, a little bit longer. I think, I think, I'll say this. I think when we get out there on Wednesday, Tyrell Dotson lines up and takes the first rep. I agree. He's I agree with that. I agree with that. Also, can we one sec for everybody who's listening here, the way the rules are written, we can tell you, we think that he will be taking the first snap with the first team defense. We cannot report who is doing those. We cannot report that Osiris Torrance is lining up next to Mitch Morse on the first team offensive line. We can't do that. So we apologize. It's not something we're choosing. That's just the way the rules are written. The Bills think that that protects the internal secrets of who might be playing and who might not be playing. So I just want to clarify that if you listen to the next episode of the podcast and we're talking about players who have looked good, we can't necessarily tell you they've looked good against player X, Y, and Z. We can tell you they've looked good and have made nice plays and have making it making an impact, but we can't say, oh, um, Deontay Hardy absolutely burned Kyir Elam during seven on sevens or something like that. So if you're there watching, you can take down the notes yourself, but we unfortunately are not able to report that information. My right. last player. And then we're going to get a lot of people saying, I, why can't you guys, what, why don't you guys tell us what's going on? Aren't you watching practice? Yes, we are. We just can't, we don't want to have our credentials revoked. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in the same boat here. I also want to point out one other thing before you get to your last guy. Yeah. You hear us say the names. Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard. Just yes. to clarify for anybody who wants pronunciations. My last player is Taylor Rapp. Another new addition, another new addition to this team. Not a Tyrell or a Terrell, but a Taylor. A Taylor. So we were close. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are the starting safeties for the Buffalo Bills. They just are. But Taylor Rapp has played a lot of games in this league and was thought to be a pretty sought after free agent. I thought he made sense for the Bills if Jordan Poyer walked. Jordan mm-hmm. Poyer didn't walk, but they still ended up signing Taylor Rapp. To me, that reads like a move for a guy who you think is going to be on the field. I think the Bills sign Taylor Rapp because they want him to have an impact immediately. And I think Taylor Rapp signs with the Bills because he thinks there's a way for him to get on the field. I don't exactly know what they're going to do. I don't exactly know how they're going to do it. But I think with Sean McDermott now calling the shots on defense, I think maybe they get a little bit more creative and show us some personnel packages that we have not seen them use a lot of this year. And I think Taylor Rep, if you're talking about like your 11 starters on defense, let's say who's the next man up, who's the next guy off the bench, like a basketball term, I think it might be Taylor Rep for the Bills. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised how much he plays this year. I yep. also think that gives them a little bit of versatility in the future if. They want to move on from Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer signed a two-year contract, right? It was a two-year extension? Yes. Okay. And Micah Hyde has one year left on his yes. current deal. So Taylor Rapp, it's a short-term contract, but I wonder if that's one of those things where it's like, hey, come get your foot in the door. We think we like your skill set. We think we're going to like how you project on this team long-term, and then we're going to keep you around and you can play on a defense that's got a bunch of talent in front of you. So for me, Taylor Rapp is somebody who I'm very interested in this offseason. I like it a lot. I agree with you. In fact, when we were going back and forth on people to watch, I was going to cheat and say one of mine is Sean McDermott, only because I want to watch how this defense looks and all the different things he's going to bring to this defense because I agree with you. And 
I wonder what that means in the nickel cornerback position. Not that, not that Taron Johnson wouldn't be the nickel corner, but I wonder if they maybe go and replace that with a safety more often, a third linebacker more often, a little bit more of a matchup situation. The Bills are a very, very heavy nickel team, pretty much more than any team in the league over the last several years. Maybe that changes a little bit this year. I don't know. Remains to be seen, and we'll see how it all works out, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. You want to answer some questions? Let's do it. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right. Well, we tweeted. If you have any questions, we also threaded. Is that what you say now? We put it on threads. Ooh, I didn't if you're following there. Threaded it. I didn't thread it today. I threaded it. I haven't threaded okay. much lately. Well, Is that what you say? It's threaded? Is that the I proper terminology I, there? Say threading the needle. I don't know. Sounds good to me, though. I have to figure out all of these updates that we get during training camp, whether it's, you know, a funny video or something that's actually important. Where am I putting all of this on both platforms? Am I putting it just on Twitter? I don't even know if it's going to be called Twitter by the time this podcast comes out. It won't, but let me tell you something. You just talking about this. I, this is like, this is gives me anxiety in my life. I hate all this social media stuff and changing and new social media and platforms and where to post and where not to Mm -hmm. post. I, literally, like, I, I hate it so much. I just, I really like being on Twitter. I get why people don't. I'm not judging you whether you do or you don't or who owns it, who doesn't own it, nothing, none of that. I just like it. It's comfortable. It works for me. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you got to go here now. And you got to do yeah. this. And you got to Instagram. And you got to do Snapchat. You got to do Facebook. Please. I just, it's such a consternation in my life for me. I'm like, come on, what am I doing? When you open your phone in the morning, I'm assuming, do you have an iPhone? I, don't I do. Okay. When you open your phone, what's the first app? you look at when you wake up oh twitter for sure yeah minus two unless minus two. unless i fall asleep before the yankees game ended then i'd open up the score app to find out if they won okay yeah i i almost every morning if i wake up i'll check my messages and then i'll go to twitter and it's probably a bad habit but it's a tough one to crack because i've been doing it for so long all right that was a long way of getting to we asked a question if you had any questions and a bunch of people yep. got back to us. All right. You specifically referenced this question. So I want to lead off with this. This is from Brian. Okay. I've always wondered what is required by CBA for players on IR or PUP. Do they have to attend meetings, practices, sessions with trainers? What are they not allowed to do during training camp and in season? Do they get paid during camp or only per game? So there's a lot of layers to that question from yeah, Brian. There's a lot of layers. But- let, me, let, let me try to maybe break it down as simple as possible. If I can, Matt, yeah. I don't know if this will help at all, but basically um, there's a difference between injured reserve. Once the season starts and injured reserve before the season starts. Okay. If a guy is placed on injured reserve right now, if the bills put him on injured reserve. Now the bills put him on injured reserve in August, the bills put him on injured reserve before final cuts are made. He can't play this year. Bam. He's done. Cannot mm-hmm. play out for the season. However, the team is still going to expect him to, be in the training room and things like that. Or maybe not. They may say, hey, it's too crowded in here. You can't be here. Maybe they don't expect it to be in meetings, but he's still a part of the organization. That's really on a team-to-team basis. I mean, um, they, they may say, hey, you know, th- how about this? Um, Micah Hyde. Now, I know he wasn't on IR um, at that time. Like, he 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 went on IR later in the season. Week, week three. He, right, so what did yeah. he do, though? 
Michael Hyde went into me. He was became like a coach basically on the field. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be different from for everybody. If the player's out for the year, the team is going to make a determination, which by the way, then you get into injury settlements and things like that. What that is basically, well, you know what we, uh, this guy, he, he's not going to play for us this year, or maybe he's a chance to come back. He says, Hey, I think I can come back, but you put me on IR. I'm out for the year. Then there's a, discussion and a negotiation about paying him and releasing him so he can go sign with another team so we can actually play. All right. But if you get put on IR after the final cuts are made, if you get put on IR week one, week two, week three, right after final cuts, you have to miss four games. You're out mm -hmm. four games. And then after that, you're allowed to come back. You can come back six games later, seven games later. You can stay, stay out the whole year. Once you practice though, the team has to decide on you within two weeks. Once you start practicing, as far as getting paid players are getting their salary. If they're going to be on injured reserve. They're going to get their salary. Again, if a team wants to give an injury settlement to a player, they say, hey, you're out for the year. You're kind of clogging up space. We need the training room, whatever. You know, the guy says, I want to go play. They basically pay him the amount of money that they can negotiate. They feel of when he'll be healthy and say, we'll pay you for two more weeks, we'll pay for three more weeks, and then he's out the door and he can go sign. And then PUP is basically kind of the same thing. The only difference between PUP and IR is PUP is for guys who got hurt doing something um, away from the field or I should say, wait, wait, like a football injury from like during the off season or during the previous year. Mm -hmm. um, it's really a technicality. It's not a big deal, but it's pretty much the same thing. And then they can just transferred. If they're on pup to start this training camp, they can come back and they probably will come back. Then they can get put on pup again when the season starts and they will come back. And then the final one is non-football injury. That's a guy that gets hurt off the field doing something else. The guy goes snowboarding or something. He gets hurt. He's put on non-football injury list, but he also can come back at any time and still play. And the timeline for Pup during training camp is what, four weeks? Is that accurate? If Von no, no, Miller... Sir. During training camp, if you start on Pup, you can come back day one. You can come back whenever. If you start on Pup on training camp, you're just on there until they take you off. That could be one day. That could be the whole training camp. Then they make a decision and say, do we want to keep you on Pup to start the season? And if that's mm -hmm. the case... They got to keep a roster spot for you. You count on the 53. Yeah. Then you must miss four games at least. Okay. So that was like the whole Tredavious White last year going on pup. We didn't know how long he was going to miss. Then it tells you, oh, well, we don't think it'll be too long because if it was, then okay. So that's the whole theory there. All right. Thank you for explaining that. All right. That wasn't too confusing for everybody. No, it wasn't. This question is from AJ. What needs to be more consistent position this year? Cornerback two or slot wide receiver? I will start here. I think the answer is quarterback, cornerback two, excuse me. I don't know if I said quarterback when I was doing the question. Cornerback two, whether that's Kyrie Elam, whether that's Christian Benford, whether that's Dane Jackson. I think slot wide receiver is an important position for the Bills, but I also think they have other options there. I still think their most important pieces are Stefan Diggs, are Gabe Davis, are their tight ends, are Josh Allen. I think when it comes to your defense, cornerback two could be a weak spot that other teams attack. And that's why I think it's a more important spot for the Bills. And that's why I think it needs to be more consistent. Okay, so um, I think that's right. That's right, because that can hurt you. That can hurt a You, you get a, a, game, a touchdown score to you. That could be something that hurts you to lose a game. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll agree with you, but I want to at least go this way with this, with this question. The Bills thought so much of how much they needed to improve their slot receiver spot, they traded up in the draft for a tight end to play slot wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, that's how important it was to them, to have something consistent there in the middle of the field and an easy yep. pass, an easy outlet. So I think it's a very, very vital spot for this organization internally that they've been looking at. But you're right, Matt. I mean, if you're inconsistent at corner two, I mean, you're going to think about this division with these receivers and these quarterbacks. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're going against, you know, Jill Jalen Waddle. You're going against yeah. Garrett Wilson, who looks like a superstar already with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you're inconsistent at cornerback two, it's, it's going to be a long day or long night. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, this is from Matt. He asked a couple different questions, but I'm just going to use the first one. What are your overall expectations from the slightly revamped offensive line? You can start or I can start. I don't care. My overall expectations are they will protect Josh Allen better. Um, I think the run game will – it's not – it's weird how I want to say this. Kind of take care of itself. Like I think they'll be a fine running team. I think Aaron Cromer is a very good coach when it comes to the run game. He's a very good offensive line coach. But I think the Bills' scheme and having Josh Allen and the threat to pass all the time will always allow them to run the ball pretty effectively. And I think that James Cook is going to be really good there. But I do think I'm looking for improvement in protecting Josh Allen. I think they went out and got guys that they think can specifically do that. 
I also think we might see some growth from the people who are returning as starters this year. I think Deion Dawkins will be better this year than Deion Dawkins was last year. I think Spencer Brown, if he wins the job, will be better than Spencer Brown was last year. And then as far as the additions are concerned, Connor McGovern, I think, immediately steps in and is a better fit for you than Roger Saffold was last year. And then Ryan Bates. I never really thought Ryan Bates was a problem last year. I thought Ryan Bates was fine. And Mitch Morris is, you know, your Mr. Consistent right in the middle. I think right now the betting odds would say it's Dawkins, McGovern, Morris, Bates, Brown. That's what I think is going to happen. They added a ton of depth, though, and I think they're going to be better suited for the injuries that will happen. It's not if they happen. They will happen on the offensive line. They always do. The Bills have better depth this year. So I think that the line will be better this year, and I think that was a really big emphasis for them going into the offseason. This question is from Jay. Why do you think the media outside of Buffalo thinks the Bills have taken a huge step back this offseason? It's a good question, Jay, and I've noticed it. We see preview after preview of people saying that. I mean, heck, Andrew Filipponi in Pittsburgh didn't even pick the Bills to make the playoffs when I saw his tweet about who he's picking. He did pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. ESPN people, like four out of five the other day, picked the Jets to win the division. I think maybe one picked the Dolphins, and but nobody picked the Bills. Um, this is what's happening. And I just think it's the natural reaction of when you kind of see a team for a couple of years and you think, okay, well, they had their shot. They didn't do it. Let's move on to somebody else. Oh, no, by the way, you have Aaron Rodgers over there. Ooh, look what Tua's doing. It's, I, I mean, I understand. I understand from one perspective why anybody would think, okay, the bills are going to take a step back and these teams are going to be really good. What I can't get with is the massive kind of over-exaggeration of it, right? Oh my God, missed the playoffs. Look, anything can happen. It's football. We know that. And injuries always happen, as you just pointed out a little while ago. But this is still a really good football team. They're still probably going to win the division. And if not, it would be stunning if they didn't make the playoffs because they're still really, really good and have an elite quarterback. As somebody in the media, I probably shouldn't say this, but pay no attention to it because it's just a talking point for people who are trying to have a take for people who are trying to be different because the Bills have been the team for the last couple of years. You want to look at what people really think about the Bills? Look at the betting odds. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? Heck, have you ever seen a picture of Las Vegas? There's a reason they make all of that money. And you know what they think? They think the Bills have the second best odds in the entire NFL to win the Super Bowl. The Bills are one of the favorites this year. Nothing anybody says should change your opinion of that. Injuries could change your opinion of that. Weird things can happen. I am not going to stand here and say I'm 100% confident the Bills are going to win the division. I'm not. I think the division got better. I think Miami's good. I think the Jets could be good. But if I was betting money on it, I would bet on the Bills. And I think most people probably would do the same. So I understand some of the points that people are making, but I don't necessarily buy. I mean, think about it. People have been every year. Somebody does this last year. There were people saying that the chiefs wouldn't win the division and that the chargers were a better team and the Broncos were a better team. Remember all the buzz about the Broncos last year. And then the Broncos sucked. Okay. The bills have won the AFC East for the last three years and they have the best player in the entire division. And it's at the most important position. I think that puts them in a pretty good spot. I'm just looking through and finding this thing. Here we go. We said, here we go. Pay no attention. They said, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Can we get it? This is Wizard of Oz. Hold on. Oh, I can't get it. I was trying to get it. I didn't know where it was in here. But it says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's what you just said about the media, right? I agree. Listen, as far as I kind of screwed that all that up. I was trying, folks. I was trying to do it while Matt was talking to find the exact spot. No, it's okay. What he's saying is, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's the media pulling all these. What do we say? It's all for clicks. It's all for likes. No, I, I think people actually believe this. But like the hot take machine, of course, right? I mean, oh, yeah. look, it, it, people want to be, they want to be out there for attention. Oh, look at this. And some of them don't care about being wrong. I think there is a natural feel for a lot of people that the bills will take a step back. I just, they, I think they, it's a they massive have to. exaggeration. They, the they almost have to take a step. There's almost no wiggle room for them to take a step forward, but that doesn't mean that you can take us. You can still take a step back and be one of the best teams in the NFL. If the Bills win 12 games this year, they have taken a step back. 
and they will still be one of the best teams in the NFL. I think if you asked anybody right now, would they sign up for 12 wins? I bet most people probably would. And that would still be a step back. So it's all relative at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe they won't be as good this year. Maybe they won't be 13 and three. I can almost guarantee you they won't play be 13 and three because they're going to play 17 games and not 16 games this (laughs) year. But, you you know, everybody just wants to get so hot takey all the time. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe I'm boring. Maybe sometimes rationale comes into play here. I I just, (laughs) whatever. All right, this one's from Chris. We get a little fired up on that one. Favorite non-football thing about training camp. Do you have one? I think we've talked about it, which is just hanging out with media colleagues. I mean, that's really cool. Um, Whether it's just going out for a couple of drinks at night, eating dinner, um, anything. Uh, Just hanging out with me. How about golf? Great golf in Rochester. We love playing golf. You're a golfer. I'm a golfer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's what I think it is. Just that part of it for training camp for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I love Marge's Lakeside Inn over on the water there. I love... There's an awesome amusement park right across the street called Seabreeze. It's amazing. Yeah. Gotta go to it. Gotta take your kids to it. It's literally like a mini Darien Lake, and you wouldn't even know it. I love this place where you can get wings that's kind of new in Rochester called Barbill, and we will be taking our show on the – did you see Woo! how naturally I just did that? Boom. It. We will be taking our show on the road there Monday, July 31st. We hope you can all join us. We're going to be doing a live episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo right from Bar Bill. They opened a couple weeks ago there. If you're from Buffalo and you like chicken wings, you've probably had their wings before. Maybe you haven't and you want to try them. Maybe you're in Rochester and you haven't had the wings yet. Perfect opportunity. Go try the food. Come say hi to Sal and I. I think we're saying 7 o'clock, right? That's the time the event starts. Yeah, I mean, you and I will probably be there a little bit earlier and everything, but I think we'll try to start taping around 7. We'll do this show around that. It's 1129 Empire Boulevard in Rochester. It's literally less than a 10-minute drive from St. John Fisher. And I spoke yeah, with the Barbill people. Bar people. They're really excited for us to come, and they're going to put extra staff on because they know that they're expecting a lot of people there that night. And we are, too. We want you to come. We want you to say hi. Thank you so much to Barbill for having us and yep. uh, the blessings of Odyssey to be able to do this over there as well. And um, who knows? Maybe we'll have a couple guest appearances stop by. You never know, right? You yeah, you never by. know. And if you're going and you haven't had the food before, I cannot recommend enough the Cajun Honey Butter Barbecue Wings. The French fries, the waffle fries, outstanding. And if you I'm are not a beef, eat all day, by the way, until I get there. I was thinking the exact same thing, honestly. Uh-huh. I was hoping that would be one of those kind of meh days in the dining yeah. hall, so then we can skip lunch and then we can just kind of you know take all of all our right. calories in at dinner. Maybe I'll just make sure to go to the gym like twice that day or something, just so I can and I did, run it off even before it's on. Then I can build it back up by going to barbell. So hope to see everybody there. Just take a couple extra laps around the track at practice, and I think that should cover it. You know, it's funny. I just bought new running shoes for training. I I just I haven't run a lot the last couple months. I want to get back more into it, so I went and bought new running shoes, and they're super comfortable, but they're like platform shoes. I'm like two inches taller in these shoes than I am in my regular shoes. So I don't know why that necessarily is. I'm not complaining about it. So I guess I'm just going to have a little bit of a different vantage point. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, it was not like intentional. It was not like, Oh, I'm trying to be taller. I just put them on and they told me to walk around the house in them just to kind of break them in a little bit. And I walked in to a room with a mirror and I was like, cut off. My head was cut off the mirror. And normally I can see my entire, I'm like, huh. And then I looked down and then I really, I'm sorry for that tangent. And I just started talking about running shoes. Okay, this is the last one. This is from Mark. This is kind of fun one to end on. With summer upon us, if you and Sal were to stop at an ice cream shop, what would your number one draft picks be? And Ooh. also, do we have a favorite ice cream spot in Buffalo? Um, yeah, I think we had a few of them. There's a lot. I'm, I'm well. Number one for me is because it's so close to Shoshone Park is Lake Effect. It's amazing. It's right okay. on Hurdle in Maine. It's yep. really good. And then I know you love Sweet Jenny's, right? And yeah, Lays well, home. yeah, oh, everybody loves that as well. But that's those are like right there for my top two. And anywhere I'm going, I'm a chocolate with almonds guy. I love chocolate with almonds. Really? I actually, I really like maple walnut. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, maple walnut. Um, I like maple walnut uh, ice cream a lot. And yeah, chocolate with almonds, maple walnut. And how about this? The coffee ice cream. I don't know why. I like the taste of coffee ice cream. Are you always a hard ice cream guy? Like, do Not you like always. soft serve? I'll do soft serve, but I prefer hard. 
See, I think if I was going to an ice cream spot right now, I would get custard or soft serve ice cream. And I would almost always get a twist. So my number one pick would be a twist, soft serve, or if it's a place that does like their homemade custard, I would take the homemade custard. I think my favorite spots, um, well, I grew up in the Wheatfield area and there's platters now, which is awesome ice cream. They also do all like the chocolates and stuff. Also Didi's on Niagara Falls Boulevard up in Niagara Falls. That is an elite ice cream spot. And then have you ever been to Hibbard's in Lewiston? Uh, I don't think so. Frozen custard. Okay. Beautiful. Outstanding. Outstanding. I'm not, I mean, I just named three places, so this is going to kind of I mean, if I myself. hear the music from Mr. Softy down the street, I'm getting a twist, right? That's what I'm doing for Mr. Softy. So, yeah, I like soft serve. But if I'm going to a the, place like this, I usually get hard. If the ice cream truck was coming down my street, remember Choco Tacos? Remember those? Yes. I think that would have been the go-to. Or the ice, or the ice cream sandwiches that have the cookies. As yep, the outside. Yep. Yeah, love it. Love it. I love those, those are... two. Max prefers the bomb pops. That's what he likes. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Okay. That's what he, he doesn't want the ice cream as much as he wants the bomb pop. I got two quick questions for you before we head out of here. All right, go ahead. Number one, have you ever hit a golf ball left handed? Yes. I actually, like, for a while, okay yeah, I actually, for a while, thought I was going to be left handed. Wow. I think the only reason I'm not, and this is not an exaggeration, was because my dad was right-handed and he had right-handed clubs. So I played hockey growing up left-handed. I batted in baseball left-handed, but I golf right-handed. So riddle me that. Well, that is weird because I'm right-handed, but I swing all sticks lefty. As you know, I'm a lefty golfer. I bring it up because Brian Harmon wins the the Open Championship. He's a lefty golfer. Phil Mm -hmm. wins the PGA a few years ago. You got Bubba winning the Masters. We've had a bunch of them. You can name more lefty golfers than I can, but Lefty golfers are starting to kind of be the end thing a little bit there, Matthew. Well, yes and no, because more right-handed golfers win every single year, but there's also just way more right-handed hey, golfers. Lefty power, baby. That's lefty power. Brian Harmon, good for him. Congratulations. I am not taking anything away from what he accomplished. That's very cool. But I was thinking earlier today, we're recording this on Sunday, how happy Oak Hill has to be that a legitimate superstar won yes. their tournament with Brooks Kepka. Cause think about how we started. We went John Rom, Brooks Kepka. You're like, wow, what a year this is gonna be. And then it went Wyndham Clark and you know, Brian right. Harmon. Yeah. No knock on those guys, but when you think back to 2013 at Oak Hill, Jason Duffner, 2003, yep. Sean McKeel, I bet they really like having a big name player tied to their tournament for the rest of history. All right. The second question I wanted to ask you, what would you, what were you doing nine years ago today? July 23rd, when recording this 2014, July 23rd, 2014. Were you working yet at WKBW? You weren't yet. Were you? Yes. But I would not have been in sports yet because the first oh. year I covered, maybe I would have actually. And now I know why you're asking me this question because of the crazy Sammy Watkins catch that you got yeah. on video on it Vine. Was nine years ago today that I captured this crazy Sammy Watkins catch on my phone, whatever bad phone I was using, it's grainy. And then I posted it on Vine, if you remember that app back then, and it went mm-hmm. super viral. Like it was on ESPN that night with credit to me, which was awesome. I had people texting me like, oh my God, look at this. You took this video. I'm like, I did. And honestly, man, I'm not kidding you. I literally, it's the like the one play I decided to start rolling on. I walked over there. I'm like, oh, Sammy's up. Let me go to him. Bam. I hit it. And he makes this great one-handed catch. It was amazing. It was nine years ago. I think this will be my ninth training camp. Okay. I think my first camp was 2015 because that was year one of Rex, right? Yeah. You didn't cover Marone there. I did, but not full time. Like I went okay. and I, what year? Okay. Actually I can 14, tell it you. Was the, it was the year that they went to the hall of fame game, which is why they started so early. Okay. So actually maybe I did cover this was 23rd, 2014, the year that they went to Latrobe. Is that 15? Yes, yes. It was 14 that went to the Trobe, yes. Then that was the first year I covered it, so I might have actually been at that practice. So at that time at Channel 7, Jeff Russo was still the sports director at Channel 7, and I went with him to help him. And I think I, the first football game, at professional football game that I ever shot was the preseason game in Pittsburgh. And then I started following them that season for work. So actually 2014. So yeah, I think I was actually there. Looking to make sure if it wasn't, it might've been, I think it was, it was 20, I think it was 2014 when they went to Latrobe, but either way, they did start off with the hall of fame game that year. And uh, that's why everybody was kind of there early. And um, is Latrobe where Arnold Palmer is from? 
It is, right? Yes, it is. That must have it was the first year because I that's my first year on the sidelines was 2014 as well. And I didn't go to Latrobe, but my first game on the sidelines was a preseason game at home that year. All right, Matt, we got to wrap things up. We've gone pretty long this episode. We really appreciate everybody joining us. And we hope you join us on Monday night, July 31st at Barbill Rochester. We'll be there. We'll be recording. Thank you very much to our great producer, Lucas Buckley. We're not going to have much longer. We're thankful to have him as long as we can. He's doing a great Thank job. Thank you, Lucas. Make sure you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and, of course, on video at Sal Sports on YouTube. Matt, the YouTube channel's blown up. I got a lot of things going on there, and this is one of them. So I appreciate everybody coming by and subscribing. We're up to close to 4,000 subscribers now on YouTube, so thank you so much. And, Matt, you have a great end of summer for the last two days. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to do my best. I have uh, never been so excited for the distraction of training camp. I know. Let me tell you. So I'm very, very excited to go back on Wednesday. I will pack my five things that I'm bringing. You pack your 20 things that you're bringing. And I will see you in person again Wednesday morning in Pittsburgh, New York. Till next time, everyone.